0: In the football sheds, your weekly podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt, Jeff King is here. Good night. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Rog, how's uh 3 child parent life going? Are you on to strong beers again now?
1: I am, which is great. I'm not actually tonight, um, because I've drunk all my strong beers. Um as <laughs> a relief as well no just as yeah as a relief about being able to drink again um it does make isolation go um uh go more quickly and I'm, I'm i do really enjoy the fact that the you know drinking on a school night thing seems to have gone out the window a bit like i haven't thought twice about drinking a bottle of wine or more yep. on a school night um, i have no
0: concept of what day weeks it is. so it's, yeah. it's just like do i feel like a drink or not oh it's three o'clock on a tuesday i'll do i'll have a negroni <laughs> <laughs> i'm only laughing because it's true <laughs> i'll turn the video off in this meeting so no one can see me yeah um jeff have you bought i feel like you've did you buy a special uh drink for this evening yeah so i went to, i went to the bottle shop to
2: get a bottle of baileys because i did fancy some because it's raining so you know baileys is a good rain drink <laughs>
1: and because you only had
2: they only had the uh, the old Christmas special Bailey's left because people are hoarding, obviously. So it came with two Bailey's cups. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Baileys, such a weirdo. Bailey's with two Bailey's cups. I'm now drinking from a Bailey's from a Bailey's mug. Um, yeah, you put ice in your little
1: Bailey's cup. Yeah, man. Definitely. That's it's an odd cup. Can you hold up the cup again so I can it's see? It's got a handle. It's got a handle. It's very, very small too. It's yeah. like a
2: Scandinavian soup bowl miniature. <laughs>
1: Because you've got to have some ice in Bailey's, and you can't fit much in there. There's
2: there's ice in there, Roger. I've got big hands.
0: Mm. Roger. What are you drinking this week?
1: Uh, Just a a boring Rover. Uh, Well, I'm I'm,
0: I'm drinking a very exciting Aldi red wine. (laughs) It's only six dollars. Still very exciting. Wow. Um, Right, we will start with a question. But before we do, let me do the admin. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something. Um, you can find us on Facebook, which a lot of people have done this week. Thank you for getting in contact, everyone. Um, just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and of course tell your mates so more people can listen to us talk nonsense. Now, this week I've got three questions because you know it's COVID nineteen times, so we've got different Do you want question one, two, or three?
1: Two. Three. One. Bro,
0: John, I heard Rog first with two. Three.
2: Which because of my delayed internet connection, John. You can't judge me because <laughs> of my delayed internet connection. Jesus. We can. Well, pity me. Call Optus.
0: Which is the only city in Europe to have produced three different European Cup or Champions League finalists? Saudi Arabia. <laughs> That's not in Europe. <laughs>
1: But Wait, we may we may which, get on to Saudi Arabia later. Say that again. Sorry, which city in Europe is the it only must be city? London. Correct. The only city to produce three different European Cup or Champions League finals. Yeah, the, okay. It's the only city I can think of that has more than two big teams.
0: Okay, Birmingham. can you name the three managers who've won the European Cup or Champions League three times?
1: Uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Yes.
2: Um, Guardiola? Nope, no.
1: no. Oh,
0: uh. One is very recent, though. Fabio Capello? Nope. More recent than that. Zidane yes. Yes.
1: Oh, of course. And then one is old school. Cluffy. Like Older. European Cup days. Older. Older. Uh, uh, what about, what some, about somebody Hungarian? Brian? An
2: old
0: Brian Clough. <laughs> it was Bob Paisley. At Liverpool. Paisley. Bob Paisley.
2: Last Great question. trousers.
1: Okay. <laughs> who was the who was the last English manager? Yeah. <laughs> a bit slow on the uptake there.
0: <laughs> who was the last English manager to win a European trophy?
1: Last English manager to win a European trophy. Yeah.
0: And considering no Englishman has ever won the Premier League,
1: hmm, what's the English manager to win God, that's sad. That it's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I don't know, John. Um, well, I've written his uh... name down here, but I've misspelt it. So this is why I really wanted to go with this question. His name is Bobby, but I've written Booby, Booby Robson. Bobby
1: Robson, yeah, Barcelona, uh, Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah,
0: 1997, when yeah. Uh, Brazilian Ronaldo was good.
1: Do you know? You know, you're just talking about trousers. Going yeah. off topic here, <laughs> John. Because we've been in isolation, I've tried to watch MasterChef a little bit. Oh, Ali's yeah? been watching it. Great show. Unbearable. Absolutely <laughs> unbearable. Everything about it, and I've realised why I haven't watched it for 17 years. Um, the new uh I was gonna say coaches, um, judges. Yeah. One of them in particular, they're all painful, and they obviously are dressed for a particular look, and I hate everything about them. And I it, it I've had to walk away from the TV several times in the last three days. <laughs> um, but there's one of them uh who used to be on MasterChef. Yeah, yeah, he was a contestant. The worst trousers. Shouldn't be on telly with trousers like he wears, shouldn't be allowed.
0: Well, it will shock you to know, Rog, that they're all dressed by a certain fashion label, so they don't have a choice in what trousers they wear, they just get told to wear. Coles, them. I don't think so. <laughs>
2: um, but I don't that's... care, I don't care who you get, who you're dressed by. I think everyone has a choice in their trousers. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm up for liberation, and I'm, don't call me left wing, but I think your trousers are your own. <laughs> Choose what you wear around your legs. That's the minimum <laughs> requirement of adulthood.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with that.
2: Today, um, well, I'm wearing <laughs> jeans. That was all me. All me. Not washed him in about
1: six weeks because of isolation. That's <laughs> all me. <laughs> no point. Oh, six weeks? Easy for james Jeff. Six months. Come on. Anyway, anyway, we're football podcast. Yeah, let's we're football. off topic. Let's go. Yes, football.
0: so uh, that was all your fault, Rog. But anyway, let's get Sorry. on to the football. Um, this week, we will again be returning to our Premier League team reviews of the season so far. Last week, we tried to get through four and we got through one. <laughs> Arsenal. So well, we'll try and get through the rest of week one. So hopefully... Uh, Villa, Bournemouth and Brighton. Um, before we do that, though, we'll go through a bit of Premier League or coronavirus-based football news. Um, first up, the Premier League looks like it might be returning or is talking no. about how it might return or how it might kind of happen. Um, Rod, do you have a theory or a plan on this or how it might work?
1: You... I've got a solution. They just all, oh, yeah. all I need to do, they just need to contact me. That's what they need to do. They need to reach out to... Do you know, I actually looked up online how I could email the Premier League <laughs> oh with my, oh with my idea. Info now, at
0: premierleague.com.
1: They don't probably listen want,
0: to this, Rog. Don't worry.
1: It, this is, it's, I mean, I don't think there's anything revolutionary here, but I'm very surprised that more people haven't suggested it. Um, but are you ready? Yep, go on. Oh, go. So the, the main issue, the two main issues I see with well, amongst many, but in particular for sport and the Premier League, you've got the issue of training and, you know, yep. individual clubs and in that side of the contact. And then you've obviously got travelling to games and playing other teams. So this is assuming that everything's behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've still got those issues and all the support staff and what have you. So the issue really is that uncertainty and to me you can fix that with testing and we'll um i think we'll see this happen a lot more in general society but one of the issues is that most of the time the testing takes quite a long time to get a result so how can you fit that around a sporting occasion but like the clever, clever people at um, Cambridge University have done it, but in particular, I think they got it down to four hours. There's guys at Oxford University that have come up with a, um, you know, a genetic test, PCR, polymerized chain reaction test, where they can tell and get a result within half an hour. For if you've okay. got coronavirus or not, a positive, right? So half an hour, and you can yeah. know. So. You obviously need a bit of kit to do this. It's not going to be cheap. But why can't you just buy 20 of these machines and the people um, to operate them, and each of the clubs has one of these? Come in, squad comes in for training. They all get tested. They sit around okay, for a couple okay, of okay, hours, okay, let me and then you they because, get tested, and think, then they do I it.
2: Think you're a moron. <laughs> what happens if they test positive, Rog?
1: <laughs> well, you you obviously have to keep each individual isolated before they get the results of their test. But to me, you could easily step that up.
2: Yeah, okay, that is assuming that none of them are positive, right? So what do you let's mean? say, well, okay, so, so let's say they're positive, to, if they're out. <laughs> then what's the point of any of it? So let's say, right, Liverpool, the two games off winning the league, right? So every all of these teams, rock up. They're all no You're out. They're all going. That's why me. It's <laughs> a joke. But half the Liverpool team test positive. More. Let's say everyone but Trent Alexander-Arnold and Carius K- who's come back from home. So what they're going to do? They're going to put out a bunch of kids.
1: So but why? The, why are the they point? going to? If they're isolating in their normal life, why are then they, they are suddenly? Anyway. People
2: are getting sick anyway. So well, the, 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 you then, can't just. It's yeah. not just about testing. Or if if they're isolating and that's fine, then let them play.
0: And also, you've got so many people involved in a football team. Just get, You've got the 11 players out there, then you've got your coaches, and then you've got your medical staff, and you've got your cooks and your masseuses, and you've got your, everyone else around it. If they're related to or married to or partners with, living with a key worker, and they're in a hospital, they have to be removed from them. So you have to have all these people in isolation in a hotel for four months whilst we you, all play football we it's just impossible it, these are all these, the are all these an idea. minor minor details
1: idea? minor details were you going to were you going to send them an email saying that I was just going to say sort it out, yeah, buy some machines, get us on the way, Roger, Roger.
2: we're the, ready to go. I wish you'd actually gone through with that, and I wish you'd kind of waited all expectantly like a fucking kid on Christmas morning, and oh, I hope they got my idea, I'll tell you what, oh, there's these guys in, in, in Oxford, in Oxford, <laughs> he's really
1: smart, right? tell i tell you what, I think give my,
2: half an my hour, back of the envelope idea
1: is more realistic than Football Island that they're coming up with. Yeah, but no, I
2: guess. But, look, my 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 basic point when I said what what's the point? It, every single one of these outcomes has a what's the point to it. Mm-hmm. So let me let's run through a few of their ideas. Right, they they, they want to the testing. They want to put people in isolation, like, like they're doing with the. With other sports, the AFL in Australia, whatever, put people in isolation for a, for an extended period and then play out all the games, right? So Liverpool, Liverpool have got two games to go before they win the league, right? Let's say Liverpool win the first two games of their how many games they played already? Twenty nine games, so they've got nine games to go. Let's say they win two games, first two games. What are they could do with those seven games? Nothing. Why would they bother? They, they'll just put no team out. They'll, they'll let everyone have a holiday they'll put their kids Jurgen Klopp's already played his kids mm. in the FA Cup this season when he doesn't need to give a shit he doesn't give a shit they'll let everyone go home they'll let everyone train they'll let everyone spend time with their wives so that next year they come back completely fresh so already everyone and then what already, if that has
1: impact on relegation and that's exactly Champions what I mean. league, so, so So everyone who's percent.
2: already played yeah. Liverpool is going to be really aggrieved by the fact that now Liverpool are basically putting out three cripples to, to play against Norwich where Norwich can pick up points if you're Bournemouth or really you're going to go, well, why have Norwich got an easy run against Liverpool and we didn't have an easy run against Liverpool I, I, so every I agree these, every one of these solutions has problems like that it's yeah. all pretty pointless and the reason why we're even thinking about it, 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 it is disgusting really it's all about the money and I don't mean it's we're money grubbing it's all about not you know part of it could be money grubbing the other part of it is survival for some clubs it's survival if you look at you know, clubs like Burnley they don't want why to pay back to I'm from a fan perspective
1: money. Jeff. like I don't I don't care about them making money, but I mean, I would love to be able to (laughs) watch some football. I I would love to watch football. There's
0: just no way that football, it should be in place that there will be no football until September and it should just be like,
1: we are not. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I agree. I think a lot of it is probably just trying to sell papers and I don't, I don't think, I think as you said, John, a few times, the further we get from it, the less likely it is that any football will be played, the more leagues we see being cancelled, the less gone. likely it is. a French League's gone. You know, it's Dutch League last week, French League this week, still a monkey league, but it's probably the biggest monkey league. Mm. Um, I just, I agree with you. Like all these solutions, Jeff, as you say, are massively flawed. They have to fit in with the rest of Europe, really, if you're going to do it. I think they should be putting their energy into, if we stop now, how do we fairly or as fairly as possible resolve the remaining issues champ giving someone the league who cares really like obviously Liverpool care but not a big issue but as it's about the money Champions League and relegation and promotion from the championship for instance we're talking you know what promotion from the championship's worth what 150 million or something yeah like how do we you know how do you make a fair decision there? And you probably can't. Well,
2: I think you, you would be able to have playoffs. For example, you'd be able to go championship has a playoff, League One has a playoff, League Two has a playoff, and then you just bloat the Premier League. You just say, okay, three teams come up, no one gets relegated. You bloat the Premier League, you bloat the Championship, you bloat League One, and then it resolves itself in the next coming years. You have four teams relegated for the next three years. Whatever you choose to do, it's possible to resolve these things without football becoming pointless.
1: Well, and I suppose that's a good we have... point, Jeff, because that's a positive. I think one of the biggest, one of the hardest things, if it's a positive, everyone's happy. Whereas if you, the people that won't be happy and the clubs that are relegated...
2: Yeah, you, you let West Brom and Leeds come up and you, basically you just have the playoffs. Have the playoffs and the championship, top two in playoffs. And, and yes, I get that if there's goal difference, there will be people who are aggrieved because the system's imperfect because we're not finishing it. But when you say, Rog, that you know you want to see this finish because you miss watching football, I do not want, as a football fan... Oh, I'm being, being flippant. Obviously, this is my important no, but this is the point. Like, if you wanted to watch a behind-closed-doors Leicester versus Crystal Palace game where... Crystal Palace had literally stopped giving a shit because they're mid-table and Leicester were trying to solidify the top four behind closed doors, and they played three games that week. What Crystal Palace are going to play reserves? Leicester are going to try really hard. There's no one there to watch. You might as well watch training footage. It's not you know real. What, like,
0: what I would like to see is you take the bottom three from Bor- so from the Premier League so Bournemouth, Villa, Norwich, the top three from the Championship. So I can't remember who's there, but Leeds. Um,
1: Leeds, West Brom and
0: one other um, and you go same system you have a six team playoff but it's those six so not like six from the championship and see who goes up they just play each other and play off and then you play all the Premier League games against the
1: um, championship ones see who gets through you know Villa will be aggrieved. it won't happen John yeah it's too there'll no. be too because much someone, opposition I think Jeff's way is more realistic because, as much as anything, so, people like, shitty. Uh, you know, the TV companies will love <laughs> you know, that because they get more games.
2: Uh, got a game in hand. You know, so they'll so, be shitty. They go, it shouldn't. Be. I mean, you you know, we're under so much pressure about finishing the season, let's just stop. Like all of this energy we're putting into when we're going to reorganise and when we're going to we're going to finish it. If we admit to ourselves and we and we structure just like they have done in France and say it's just not going to happen, then we put all our energy into the solution for the situation we have now. Which actually, as you say, if we make it for the greater good, and who, maybe we start the season three games earlier to cut to accommodate the bloated leagues, maybe maybe that's the case. And why um, not? Yeah, the only thing that won't get resolved with that is Champions League and Europa League. And, and in honesty, I think that is the least last, uh, problem. of our yeah. concern when it comes to stuff like that. So I, I just think that it's... I've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks on this thing. It's inevitable, and the sooner we all fucking realise it, because the alternative is pointless. That's my point. It's possible to do something, but it's completely pointless.
0: Yeah, I agree. So let's move off the possibilities <laughs> of what's happening in the league because it is pointless. Um let's move on to the Newcastle update. So we talked about Newcastle's takeover last week, which still hasn't fully
1: materialized yet. Um there's been uh, a lot there's been a lot more opposition. Uh, yes. I think noises since as well. people
0: have listened to the football shed, I think we've had
1: ripples in the football <laughs> world. A groundswell <laughs> of support.
0: Um but on that note we got a message from Chris on Facebook who is a Newcastle fan. And I kind of just want to read out what he said, because I thought you put it pretty well. Um, So he said, I understand both sides of the Toon argument. As a long-suffering fan, I can see how the promise of a new era would appeal to many. And from a pure fan position, pretending I had no worldly knowledge or conscience, I'd love to see a period of success and real squad investment. I was staunchly in the anti-takeover camp in the outset, small as that camp may appear. But as the conversation has continued, have realised the hypocrisy of it as a consumer. I've been a solid user of Uber, well, at least Uber Eats, which in which the SWF, which is the um, Saudi Wealth Fund, has invested billions. I don't have a car, yet with Saudi oil, the world would, excluding present COVID conditions, have long grounded to a halt. So where does one draw the line? Nobody mentions Sheffield United's ownership. In relation to the B in sports position, I thought it was interesting to see them state they'd reconsider their their commitment to TV broadcasting rights. Hardly strong words. Um, A bit of a ramble, I realise. I honestly don't see the EPL blocking this without there being a serious risk to their hip pockets. If it goes through, I may get to see my team play some better football. If it gets vetoed, I can take the moral high ground. And I think, thanks, Chris, for sending that in, because I think that's a real even way of looking at it because it's so hard to remove yourself as a fan um of a certain club and football from something that's happening and also we live in a world where things such uber are invested in by millions and millions of um saudi dollars why do we not all just boycott uber is it any different okay i'll jump in because i was
2: probably most outspoken last week um firstly thanks chris when i read your post on facebook i wish that i had been as balanced as you were but i wasn't <laughs> um so firstly soz um <laughs> he's basically i'll or, or pick up or pick up on a few different points yeah so there there is a difference between sheffield united and the possible newcastle owners so sheffield united owner is prince abdullah bin mustafi or whatever um Sorry, that's racist. I can't remember the last bit of his name. I'll find a full name. Um, he's an individual. Yeah, Prince Abdullah. He's an individual. He's a member of the royal family, but he's an individual from, from Saudi Arabia who has chosen to invest in personal cash in football. Now, everyone who owns a football club is an individual who's chosen to invest their personal cash. I mean, you would argue that there is a, a tenuous link between Abramovich and whether that's his personal cash or the oligarch money for owning a public sector resource in Russia. But um, the the difference is the the Saudi public investment fund is an arm of the government itself. So I view it as, and pardon me, if this is naive, but but I view it as the equivalent to the the Federal Reserve in the United States or the um. What's the, the British version? If, if you're the, um, oh, my God, I can't think of my words. So th- let's say the Federal Reserve in the US decided they, have, they invest. They do. that they, they, they buy government bonds from countries mm. all over the world. They chose to buy an asset as the Fed in the US, and that asset was, New, asset was Newcastle United because it would turn a profit. If you invested X, you would get Y from it. You would be very, very concerned about the influence of the United States government in something which was essentially a British institution. That's not an individual choosing to to risk and gamble his money. And obviously anyone who is a billionaire, which is everyone but the bottom three clubs in the Premier League have billionaire owners, a billionaire. So anyone who is a billionaire will have acquired their wealth in a way that we would all consider pretty fucking shady you don't get a million pounds or a million dollars however you got it unless you there is a part of your soul that's missing you know and, and i'm sorry if that's a generalization i've not been a billionaire but you know when i read a list of billionaires i look at it i'm like mm, you're all kind of cunts but there's a difference <laughs> between a billionaire cunt and a, an arm of a government now when it's an arm of a government who let's say it was um the arm of Bhutan, the, the Bhutanese government, where, where they sell themselves on their GDP being happiness. You know, you can, you can go, oh, well, you know, get involved, man. Like, like, bring a bit of love. But I would still think that, that I've got problems with it being the arm of the government and not an individual. But the fact that that government is the government of Saudi Arabia, it's a multifaceted problem, in my opinion. But, but, but I think that. Forget human rights, forget the TV. Um, Piracy, forget all of the logistics. I think simply the fact that it's an arm of the government should be a, a problem.
1: I think the big part of that as well, that's perhaps slightly different to the Uber scenario <clears throat> is the element of soft power. Mm. It's that you know it's a government um entity <clears throat> that is doing this not just for financial reasons, but also for you know, making a decision of trying to improve their standing in the community, you know, in, in the international community, invest in something legitimate that a lot of people are involved in, like football, to, to improve their, um, you know, how people perceive them as a country. Now, I don't think you necessarily get that by buying shares in Uber. So I think that's a, a significant difference. But, I mean, to go the other way, we've had Mike Ashley... You know, Now, Mike Ashley very strongly fits your definition of a billionaire, Jeff, as we've <laughs> talked about a bit. And, you know, there's other things like, um, you know, we know that he's made himself rich on his Sports Direct empire with zero hours con- contracts for everybody, you know, furloughs his staff in a heartbeat. Like, he's stamped on so many people. And, I mean, yes, you know, the human rights record of Saudi Arabian government is awful, but I don't think Mike Ashley's that far from that, to be honest. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, but, Roger, so, Mike, I mean, Mike, it, Ashley's a,
2: Mike Ashley's a cunt, but you know, you, you say that he, he furloughs his staff and pays zero contract. At least he pays tax. When you look at someone like Joe Lewis from Spurs, he lives in, yeah. in the Cayman Islands, doesn't he? So, like, Mike Ashley, though he is a, a bad man... <laughs> of a better way to put it. At, at least he is a contributing member of the society for which he abuses you, you, you'd argue that the saudi arabian government is absolutely not and you'd argue that other you know leading lights in football ownership in the uk are not and i take everton owner in, in that too they you know it's, it's a plaything for them they don't
1: live in the country paying their tax employing people that's just not the case i've got uh, a question just, for you go on assuming it goes ahead I think particularly people of our our vintage, our generation, um, Newcastle were, are a second team for an awful lot of yeah. football fans. I think beca- because of their fans being so passionate, you know, that everyone loves football in the northeast of England. And, you know, I think, you know, there's the element of them being long due success. And, you know, we watch them play under you know Keegan, and you know you got people like Bobby Robson, and it, you know it was great to watch. Um, and there's all that side of it. And I think generally there's a lot of goodwill for Newcastle in the footballing community. Yeah. Um, do they lose that? I think they football? struggle.
0: I think they struggle when I think it, it's it's such muddy waters, and everyone. I think if you. Scratch below the surface of every football club. And I think this was done by a newspaper last year. As soon as you scratch below the surface of every football club, they're all pretty dodgy, and they're all where they store their money and where
1: they have it kept and how they got it is all a bit weird, um, because it's a big business, like
0: Jeff said. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. A, yeah, exactly right. But I think um, with Newcastle, I think if it's kind of hit the peak, are we okay with this? Or are we not okay
1: with this? Um, yeah. And I think it is... It feels like a line in the sand moment.
0: Yeah. And I think my personal opinion is that what will happen is the takeover will happen. We'll be upset for about three or four months and then football will start again and we won't give a shit. And then football will happen and we'll all just carry on. And then about a year down the line, something will happen in Saudi Arabia or something might come up and we'll all go, oh yeah, that's bad. And then another game of football happened. And we, were, uh, we were, yeah. What <laughs> yeah. a and,
2: and, and wonderful be,
1: society we live in.
2: Yeah. And MBS will be at the game, getting coverage on the TV, you know, in a toon shirt, the scarf on, cheering them on. Now, okay. So, so, have you seen the news this week that the um, Saudi Arabian government have responded to the BN sports stuff?
0: No, and they've on. said that
2: they, they will aggressively bid for the TV rights of North Africa and the Middle East next time it's up for tender, which is 2022, I think. Um, they've said that, that, okay, it's a public bidding process, so why do BN Sports have the God-given right to have that licence? And Saudi Arabia has much more money than Qatar, which is which is amazing, really. So they've said that they will aggressively bid for those rights. So th- let's look at, like fast forward two years and, and put ourselves in a world where, um, where the Saudi Arabian government... Own a Premier League side, and the Saudi Arabian government own the TV rights of the Premier League in North Africa and the Middle East. Now, we were looking last week at the amount of soft pressure BN Sports were able to put on all the Premier League clubs and the and the FA and the Premier League itself by just being a, a license holder. Now, if Saudi Arabia, the country, was able to put that type of soft pressure on. And they owned a key asset within that. We, we've we've taken a step too far. We just we just have. So when you say, "Is this a line in the sand?" and and I feel sorry for Newcastle because I feel like this is not your fault. And you're right. There there is a lot of. Um, a dormant love for Newcastle United. No one wants them to get relegated. Everyone wants them to get promoted when they're in the championship and everyone wants them to do well because they're fans, their stadium, their history. Everyone has watched Newcastle United. And game everyone wants Mike Ashley gone. Yeah, of course, because you hate to see a club <laughs> run like that. You hate to see fans abused like that. The way they... I remember watching Newcastle games 20 years ago and just absolutely adoring the way that they approached it. You know, oh, there's a, I've got a huge soft spot, so I feel sorry that Newcastle are the... You know, they're the third wheel in this conversation. Mm. And the wheel in this conversation, it, it's political, it's geopolitical, it's financial, it, it's about our own morals and principles. And it's nothing to do with Newcastle United. This could be anyone. And I so feel that they, they've had this carrot put in front of them that is not their fault, it's their. And it's like this concept of, of, of greatness that is so tempting. And yet they're, they're a pawn in something that has nothing to do with them as a football club. And actually, the only reason why it's them is because Mike Ashley, who everyone hates, has run the club so well.
0: It's true. No, he's made them a very, uh, what's the word? Attractive proposition. Yeah. Um, But let's move off Newcastle because we spoke about Newcastle last week a lot and we never got through our team reviews and we still haven't got to one yet. Um, So last week we did speak about Arsenal. Um, Kian on Facebook came back to us about my... uh, Bashing of Arsenal, which is fair enough. So this was Kian's response to my bashing. As for the Arsenal bashing, um, look at the decade after we left Highbury in context. We had a brand new state of the art stadium to pay for. Yes, cash flow is good. Cash flow is good at the club, but sacrifices had to be made, and Arsenal had to make the most of what he had to work with, which was, which evidently wasn't a lot. Getting Champions League football with the likes of Shamak in the team in my, is, in my opinion. Credit to the man, though he outstayed his tenure by a couple of years. I think if you want to get down to the brass tacks of it, looking at the club's fortunes in the context of what's happening, um, what was happening off the pitch, so to speak, isn't such a damning account. So that's Kean's opinion on my massive bashing on Arsenal, which is fair enough because they did do pretty well in the post-new um, stadium years, the post highbury years. My, my just my thing with it was just watching back at how good Arsenal were, and I'd so forgotten that they were bas- they were the best team in the league and they played the best football we've ever seen in the Premier League, and I'd forgotten that. And I think that it's easy to forget that, and lots of mitigating circumstances meant that that happened. But I just think it's a shame it was missed. So, uh, but on, get- I, I, uh,
2: yeah, Keen, thanks for your response because I read that and I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and you articulated your point well, I think, because it, success for Arsenal at that period was relative. It was relative to the situation they were in. And, and to get out of the situation they were in and still be a, a net, um, net positive cash flow organisation having qualified for the Champions League successively every single year, I think it was a phenomenal job that Arsenal Wenger did. The, the problem was... He then, he, you know, he that was his plan, and he was very good at achieving it. And I, I think he'd lost that extra gear, you know, he, he couldn't ramp it up to the way it was because he'd accepted that you know he always became a bit pragmatic, he came a bit top four is good enough. This is a team that can achieve in that top four without understanding what it took to take that next step. However, you are absolutely right, kid. I, I think,
1: um, John, didn't and before need enough we stick last the boot week. in too much, I think we've seen with Man United who. Uh, you know arguably the biggest football club on the planet a similar issue happening with with the alex ferguson legacy you know it's not easy to move from an iconic you know once in a generation manager who's been at your football club for a long long time and involved in everything um, to then seamlessly move to the next phase like we've seen it throughout the history of English football, you know, when there's been these dominant eras of teams and maybe Arsenal weren't, you know, as, as dominant as Man United, but it's definitely a similar, um, you know, similar situation. I think you can align all of it
0: going wrong at Arsenal to the point that Arsene Wenger bought that coat. You know, yeah. the, <laughs> the <laughs> caterpillar coat. The caterpillar coat. As soon as the caterpillar coat arrived, it all went wrong. Um, right, I love let's move that, on to, oh, No, it's horrible. Let's move on to this week's teams. So, Aston Villa, Um they got promoted into the Premier League this season. They're currently sat in nineteenth as we stand with a game in hand. So they'll be one of those teams that would be very aggrieved if
1: they're relegated with a game in and hand and only two, two points off safety. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, how do you think they've done in their season, first season back in the Premier League after two years down the championship? Okay, uh,
2: so with the risk of the wrath of someone on Facebook, just like you got last week, John, I'll, I'll come straight in with with the negative. Um, <laughs> during the summer transfer window, we obviously highlighted the the difficulty of signing as many players as they did. Was it something like 11 13 yeah. players or like like? I did social-
1: say this, Jeff. I'm just going to just jump in there just quickly. It was slightly different to Fulham in a number of those signings that they made were on were on loan at the club last year, so it wasn't it wasn't as completely scattergun as Fulham last year.
2: Well, this is but this is this was going to be my point, Roger. And this is a conversation we had at the beginning of the year. We said, please don't compare it to Fulham because essentially there's a continuation strategy and a growth strategy here happening at the same time. They're looking at solidifying the players that were there in the championship and did a good job at the same time as trying to grow their squad and spending £100 million, all of that. However, it still is fucking hard to integrate 11 players. Whether they're on loan or not, and yes, they might have been at the club last year, but playing for that club in the Premier League as a full-time member, a full-time member of the first team squad, it's still not easy to integrate. and And their league position is probably represents that. The fact that their their best player this year is obviously phenomenal. Jack Grealish has been great. The players who I've expected to be very good have not been. I don't think Cairo Means has been very good. And people oh, argue no. that he has been, but I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure he's been the player I was expecting for the money he cost. Um, I-, I just think that they did what we said was a Fulham, but we said it's not like a Fulham, and actually they've struggled in the same way Fulham has. What they haven't done, they didn't waste January. They didn't do what Fulham did and go. Let's buy Babel and and <laughs> you know <laughs> throw throw our shit at the wall and hope it oh, doesn't. Oh, they fall did down buy that time.
0: guy from Mozambique. Yeah, the, um, the guy in the Belgian league, the striker. Oh,
2: uh, but they've also not had a... Sp- the, the, speaking that's, of strikers, they've not had a re- uh, recognised striker all year since Wesley got injured, who was crap anyway.
0: That's my main point, I think, for Villa's struggled this year. If you look at who their striker was in the Championship last year, Tammy Abraham. Look where Tammy Abraham is right now. He's starting up front for Chelsea and getting in the England squad. If you chuck him in Aston Villa's team... They're not in the relegation zone. No, yeah, I agree. agree. And the, the, I agree.
1: Been... I think they've been um, unlucky with injuries. Like, whilst Wesley wasn't great, he was an important part of their team, so that's a big injury. They also lost uh, Tom, he- Tom Heaton, And, yeah, I think the biggest one is McGinn because Villa looked the best when they initially in those first, you know, few weeks of the season and John McGinn was playing brilliantly in midfield. And I think that's been a, unsurprisingly, you know, like I think he really stepped up and that has been a huge loss for them. But I don't think Villa are that far removed from where I thought they'd be. And I, I think if you, at the start of the season, even having... Spent 120 million or 150 million or whatever they spent. I think they probably would have taken being within two points of safety at this point of the year. Dean Smith, I think, is a good coach,
0: Um, and I think they, yeah, I think they're doing okay now. What I, I kind of want Villa. I've said on here before. I want Villa to go down just so then Jack Grealish goes to Man United, which so personal opinion. But I kind of want Villa to stay up because Dean Smith is an attacking manager and plays good football um and did it at Brentford and did it at Villa last year just hasn't had the chance this year and I think if Villa stay up and kind of realize okay we are a Premier League team again and then they can build on that and they've got all those new 11 players they stay around for another year they may miss um lose a Jack Grealish but they might get a better striker in um or Wesley will be fit again I think their next season they could do quite well in the Premier League, but they could easily just end up being a yo-yo club. They need to stay up this year, I think, to develop. But they've
1: they got a better chance of doing that, in my opinion, by having continuity and sticking with their manager rather than what Fulham mm. did and ch- deciding to change in January. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred
2: um, percent. Yeah, yep. I don't know. I, I... <sighs> I look at Villa's last decade. Is it is it safe to do that in this conversation? Or are we just talking about this year? I, I look at Villa's You're last. Give it a go, decade. Jeff. In my in my <laughs> sorry, go a bit broad. In my opinion, the last time I saw a Villa side that really got me going was managed by Martin
0: O'Neill. Yeah, when they had Milner and Stuart Downing and Ashley Young. Um, yeah, they were, they were they were
2: a phenomenal side, and they played a flat back four four two, really attacking. Four backs attacking wingers, two up front, it was it was brilliant. And we saw when we did our we did the end game last year, sorry, last week, how that side deteriorated. <laughs> Which like, we weren't very we, good at. It, and we weren't very good because the villa team weren't very good. You know, it got slowly worse and worse and worse, and they found themselves in thirteenth and fourteenth and fifteenth, and then hovering around seventeenth, and then they went down. And there was no Thought that they would come straight back up, didn't they? Pardon me, didn't they get to the playoff final the year after, and then they lost it, and yeah, then they, they were to, in financial turmoil after that. Yeah, a real to, problem.
0: Yeah, they got to playoff semi-final, I think. Steve Bruce, and then there was a That's real it. problem. They might go under.
2: Um, yeah, that was it. And then they got then they got bought out by a guy who's now the is he he's the sixth richest owner in the Premier League. He's worth five billion pounds, billion. So he must be a cunt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'd think that they have the resource to be well managed um obviously they went up their, their biggest mistake was hiring john terry as a coach he doesn't breed a good atmosphere I, i'd think um so the, so, so now they, they've gone up right so what are they trying to re-establish they're trying to re-establish themselves as uh as 14th 15th 16th Are they're trying to go back to the martin o'neill era where they have still got a bit of love with the with the neutral i'm not sure when you said rog they, they they'd accept, you know, just surviving when they got up to the Premier League. I'm not sure they would have. I, I think that the Villa fans and Villa as a football club, the size of their their fan base, the size of their stadium, the history, you know, they're, they're, they're um top flight winners, Aston Villa. So I, I feel like they but not for a long time finish, though. Yeah, but they're they're that type of club. They're if Everton a big club. went down and Everton came back up, we would consider ourselves a big club. We wouldn't say seventeenth is a good result. We would still view ourselves as having a bad run. But right, we're back where we belong. Let's get as high off this table as we possibly can. But I think, think they have Villa... the resource to
1: get But if you look yeah. at the quality of their squad up against other teams in the Premier League, they're probably about where they're where they should be. Yeah, I
0: agree. And I think Villa, Villa got to the league cup final. And they're in a position where they could stay up. And I think if you said at the start of the season you could stay up and you could get to the final of the League Cup, I think every Villa plan, fan and every Villa player would take that and go, good season.
2: Yeah, uh, John, you're right. They missed the centre forward. and But who doesn't, I guess? <laughs> so, yeah, who wouldn't Who wouldn't take Tammy Abraham? But you are right. They had no one in the wings to, uh, to take over from this
0: spot. Um, let's move on to Bournemouth. So as a Villa review. Let's move, have a look at Bournemouth, who are also in the relegation zone. So maybe it's something about being high up in the alphabet. Um, but Bournemouth has sat in 18th. They've been in the Premier League for five, six years now. And they're kind of Premier League staples. But this year seems like it's the first year it's kind of going a bit wrong. The Eddie Howe magic maybe has run out. They've kind of run out of ideas. People like Callum Wilson have gone off the boil. Ryan Fraze has been crap this year. Although, in my opinion, he's always crap. He's just accidentally a footballer. Um, again, a similar question. Do you think Bournemouth, if the season had finished, would you
1: think they would stay up? Uh, no, I think, <laughs> I think they're right. They're right in it. there. I they'll be <clears throat> if it if it played out I think they'd be um, battling out until the final day you know I don't I don't suddenly see them pulling clear of the relegation zone I think they're in the mire I think they've had getting worse they yeah, had, and, think- yeah and they haven't they haven't refreshed that um, and when we talk about them not being sustainable in terms of the amount of their turnover that is invested into their wage bill that's come up on the pod a few times but I just you know, you look at their squad and it's very similar to the squad that they've had for a number of seasons now and haven't necessarily been refreshing it. And I think all it takes is a couple of those key players go off the boil or get injured. And, you know, there's there's not a huge amount of quality there. I think a lot of their signings haven't been great. You know, the like, likes of Jordan I just spring to mind immediately. Yeah, so and need a few of those. Solanke. Solanke Solanke is an thing.
2: expensive flop isn't
0: he Yeah well like you're talking about Bournemouth And you say they haven't refreshed Well they've actually tried to refresh They spent 15-20 million on various players But they've all True. been car crashes And I think that's a slight on Eddie Howe Is that he hasn't actually been able to sign people That have done well Like he's signed big name players And they've kind of disappeared into mediocrity um, And they still rely on Callum Wilson Who is their striker in League 1 <laughs>
2: Do you know, it would be a big get-out-of-jail-free card if, if the season was to end now and there was no relegation or promotion because they were bad, they were getting worse, they had no shape, no structure. Every now and then they'd be able to turn it on, but Eddie Howe teams can always turn it on every now and then. That's the problem. And also, you know, you said they'd been in the Premier League, you know, six seasons or, or whatever. But when they first got up, it was like Blackpool coming up. The way they played football was phenomenal. Eddie Howe was talk of the town, manager of the month. You know, because it was impressive. It was impressive to see a team of players who weren't, you know, Spurs, Chelsea, that, that caliber, playing the way that they played. It was great. And big clubs, were, you know, played open against them because they were a small club and you were watching really good games of football. And because of that, it really made headlines. But they have not changed the way they play for six years, and when you do not refresh your side successfully, and you do not change the way you play, eventually, you know, players in the Premier League do the rounds. You you get how many times do you see a testimonial? Players play there for ten years. Eventually, you know, away at Bournemouth, you know what to do. And when you're playing against the same right back or the same left back every single year, and you go away at Bournemouth, you're like, okay, well, I, I, I've got this bloke. He's in my pocket. He was in my pocket for the last four years. I've got a pocket. I've got. A, Little little shape in my pocket where he'll fit right in this week, and and that that just happens in the Premier League. So I think that um, Eddie Howe's um, being so static in his uh, way, he sets the side up being so static in his in his team selection means yeah, every now and then he'll turn it on, but he'll turn it on against uh, a team that's not expecting it, like when they beat Chelsea this year. Chelsea played open and they got to play open. But when anyone really thinks about what they're doing and plays like a Burnley does against Bournemouth, plays pragmatic, they're just going to lose. And they're going to lose. It's their own fault.
0: Yeah, and Sorry. No, yeah. And if you look at their sign, last year they bought David Brooks for 11 million, Chris Meppham for 13, Diego Rico for 15. Dominic What's happened Flanky- to Brooks? Sorry, Diego Rico, 15 yeah. million.
1: Yeah, Crap left back, left back Solanke 21 million. What happened to Brooks though? Because he was sort of promising for a little for a long few weeks, term eh? injury,
0: long term mm. injury. Jefferson Lerma 28 million.
2: Oh,
0: Has that's the same it? as
2: like that's what Lukaku
0: cost Everton. And then this season they bought in Dan Juma for 18 million. I've never heard of him and I've never <laughs> seen him play. Philip Billing for sixteen and Lloyd Kelly for 15, 14 million from Bristol City. So they spent thirty million on two left backs and both of
1: them are shit. And to I mean, them. Ke- are, Kelly's not being, Kelly's not shit, he just hasn't had a chance.
2: You're being held over a barrel if you pay sixteen million for Billing. Yeah. The, the only thing Billing was good at was looking like a llama. Oh no! I
1: don't. No, I don't agree. We've talked about him before. I think he's he's got all the ingredients to be really good. He's just sixteen not. million. Yeah, I think I don't, sixteen million is nothing now, Jeff.
2: From from a relegated team, sixteen million. So I, he obviously uh, wanted away from. Last question
0: on Bournemouth. Then, so the league starts again. Do Bournemouth go down? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. because the yeah. the trend that you've seen
2: it means that he's not going to change to the situation.
0: Um, let's go on to our last team of the week. We've managed to get through all three, which is quite exciting. Um, Brighton. Now, Brighton are sat 15th in the league on 29 points, just two points above Bournemouth. Um, it's a real dirge pick of teams this week, isn't it? It we'll is not it yeah. <laughs> Good quality teams in the alphabet next week. Um, Brighton had Graham Potter come in as manager from Swansea, Um, and having worked in Sweden for a lot of long years. Um, And they took over from Chris Houghton and has started playing way better football, a lot more interesting football. Um, Brighton have played more different formations than any other team in the Premier League. They've made more half-time substitutions than anyone in the Premier League. And they've also made the most short goal kicks. Um, So like in the goal kicks that don't even go out of the penalty area which is one shows that Graham Potter either knows what he's doing and is forthright with it and changes things when he needs to or has no idea what he's doing and can't settle on the right formation so keeps changing it, but also definitely says that they actually want to play football and and is passing the ball around a bit. My personal preference, I love Graham Potter and I want him to do well and I want him to stay up. I think they made some okay signings. I think moy has been very good for them. I think Webster has been good alongside Dunk. I think Morpey is good up front,
1: but hasn't shown that he's worth twenty mil yet. Um, I don't know if he's a Premier League. I think he I, is. I, I, I think he's a Dwight Gale. I think twenty he's, um, million pounds. He's, he sits between between well, the think, Championship and the Premier League. He misses two. It, he's not clinical enough, John.
0: No, nah, give him two years. I think Morepay has got uh, a lot of football in him.
2: You almost you forget how much these players cost. Now that we're kind of in a in, a, in a in the midst of a coronavirus forlorn staff. You forget that there are these really really shit players that people <laughs> spend twenty million pounds on. It's right? <laughs> That's more than Barcelona spent on Thierry Henry. <laughs> Sorry, like
0: yeah. What on. Put it like
2: what kind of? We needed a wake up from this world because shit. Me, how much? How much? Oh, I mean, no, how much Aaron okay. boy costs
0: from from for Brighton? Uh, six million. Six million. Yeah, bargain. Billing was sixteen. <laughs> and yeah. <we> was six. <laughs> Go figure. Anyway, um, so I think um, if you a really fan, though, so if you're a Brighton fan, would you be? Happy to still be fighting relegation as you are, but playing in a new way, or would you rather just have the um, stability that Chris Hughton bought last year?
2: no always 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 we, we've spoken about you only have one life like every single season that we've done this for five years or whatever this this podcast and every year we spoken about you only have one life you might as well enjoy it. Brighton fans right now are enjoying it, and even if yeah. they have exactly the same points at the end of the season. They have got wins. And when I say wins, I mean they can reel off to their mates in the pub the same set of stats that you just reeled off to us, John. And yeah. that proves that they are moving in the right direction. It's not just—it's not a David Moy side, is it? It's not just playing the percentages. They're actually trying to be the future of football. Their box midfield that we've seen this year, where they, where they, they it's literally, cool. it's like a Christmas tree with a box. It, it, it's outrageous. I, I think they lack pace. I think that's found them out a lot this this season. Yeah. You know, their most creative player is Aaron Moy, in my opinion, and he does lack pace, no matter what. Yeah. Like he's he has the kind of um, Iniesta about him that he can he doesn't need pace to do what he wants to do. But if he does get caught out, he's too slow to recover. And I think they've conceded a few goals this year with Aaron Moy, Moy being too slow to
0: recover, which is yeah, shame they've he's the him most creative a couple player. of times and it's gone wrong a couple of times. But yeah, I think. Yeah.
2: They do lack pace. But, Go on. Uh, but I, I genuinely think that um, that as a Brighton fan, you would be over the moon. I even think if they get relegated, you'd be over the moon. Didn't he sign a seven-year contract or something? Six-year contract?
0: Yeah, so his contract expires in 2025.
2: Yeah, so those at Brighton who see him work every single day, I have got that much belief in him that he will change that football club. And it's because he's a smart bloke and... He essentially doesn't have the players to fulfil his dream, but just keep him time.
0: Yeah. And they've got Dan Ashworth in as um, the head of the footballing side of things. And he was at the FA during the world cup when England did really well and um, the whole build-up to that. And he left England to go to Brighton. I think they have a, they're a really good owner. Um, they've got a plan. Seemed, they've got a plan. Yeah. They seem to care about the local community, put a bit of money back into the community um, they were one of the first clubs to offer their stadium up for NHS workers um, if the NHS needed it during the COVID-19 crisis. So I'd just say think they've Brighton's got a really game. good owner.
2: Um, Tony Bloom, his name is. Uh, he yeah. has £1.3 billion. Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: um, from Brighton, though.
1: I, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. it's and it's hard. Like... um. Uh, Steve Lansdowne, the Bristol City owner, is quite a good guy. Um, Billionaire? Now, yeah, he's, Billy, he's one of the richest men in the UK. Um, there you go. But um, the I do worry for Brighton. Like, I think we all like them. There's a lot of goodwill there for them. We like the way they're trying to play football. It's different. It's innovative. Um, and it's for for my mind. It's certainly a lot more exciting than watching a, a Chris Hughton Brighton. No disrespect to Chris Hughton, but I'd be far more enthusiastic for the future as a Brighton fan with the current setup. But you know, they're only two points clear of the relegation zone. They've you know they they could very easily get sucked in. You know, yeah. all the goodwill in the world doesn't necessarily... You know, we've seen it happen before where there's teams that play good football and if they don't quite have enough quality or enough grit and mongrel, it is, it's is—it's such a brutal league that you can just get sucked in.
2: We saw it with Blackpool, didn't we? That that was the ability, yeah. right? They, they did the double over Liverpool. They're the most exciting team that we've seen get promoted in the last 10 games of the season. They won one of them and they got rele- relegated. There's, there's no way out of it if you don't win games.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, let's move off that was our reviews of Aston Villa Bournemouth and Brighton um, we'll try and do quick another. fire this week next week that was good like that was that was the aim of last week but we just didn't get there because um, Saudi Arabia interrupted
1: um, uh, wait, so do you guys think Brighton will get relegated or not no Roger no and one's going get say, relegated it's over what, we, what, what about what did we well <laughs> sorry hypothetically and what did we say for Villa uh, no I think they'll stay up as well Jeff
2: Everyone's going to stay up.
1: Oh, shut up.
2: I'm <laughs> um, <from> West Ham. that <laughs> <laughs> about Not the testing, make spe- Jeff? Don't forget make about special the, t- rule. the testing. Go, uh, every, eight, 19 teams survive apart from West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: before we go Everyone who does
2: it doesn't train in a porter cabin and
0: gets to stay up. Before we go on to side stories, um, just a last bit on owners. So, Tony Bloom, owner of Brighton, um, is a professional poker player nicknamed the Lizard. Um, apparently, accumulated his wealth through developing online gambling and gaming websites. The owner of. So,
2: a couple of suicides on his conscience there. No, no a issues of with wife that, beating yeah. wife yeah. beating broken marriages. The owner of. Uh, Sorry, probably a nice bloke.
0: The owner of um, Aston Villa is Nasif Sawiris, worth seven point five billion, according to Forbes in twenty nineteen, the fourth richest man in Africa. Um, and then the Saudi businessman who is owner of Sheffield United, Abdullah bin Mossad. So you weren't far off, Jeffer. That's a pretty good pronunciation. I um, but yeah, he's, he's he's
2: a prince. He's one of the crown princes, I think.
0: He's a prince. He is uh, grandson yeah. of. The king of Saudi Arabia, but they there drop like
2: flies. Those princes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, does anyone have any side stories? <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: Um, have you seen the chief medical expert of FIFA says that no season should continue. Everything should just stop. Wow. Okay. Just, just letting you know, he came out today.
1: That's his Say, advice. I said what? Sorry.
2: He says that there should be no football until the start of next season. That's his official chief medical officer view. I think it's UK? going to happen.
1: No, no, no FIFA. Whoa,
0: whoa.
1: it's FIFA. FIFA. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, I just think we... I get so sick of so many stupid people in the world questioning smart people, Yeah, like the scientists. Yeah. And just because you're in a position of power these days in government does not mean you're intelligent. And I just think, you know, this seems to, become because of all these idiots in power, there's obviously a few people that spring to mind immediately that vocally question experts. It then becomes a thing and you get more people doing that. And I mean, I hope what coronavirus shows us is that, you know, when there is something that is so big and it's difficult to comprehend like this and it's so difficult and complex to deal with you really need those clever people and in reality they're going to save us all and save our lives so we need to listen to those experts yeah. so I are all I, like
2: jeff goldblum in jurassic park
0: yes <laughs> and,
1: so i just but i just if, if the chief medical officer's state. saying that listen to them you know if that's what if that is what they are saying then i think all the football people should just take no and they'll Mm. be making lots of money again soon enough i've um, got another one
2: have you um, seen um alan pardew uh just left his um his dutch club that was going to be a
0: side story as well
2: (laughs) four months eight games in charge kept him kept him up obviously because they they cancelled their their eight games he managed it's funny because originally you know he only won one game though only one my side wide. story this week was that Alan Pardew was the manager of a Dutch club. I was like, well, that went under the radar. But then he got the sack before he left, before I could even add it as a side story. <laughs> so now my side story is Alan Pardew.
0: He, um, in the January transfer window, he signed six English players. So now there's six English players all stranded in Holland, going, why the fuck am I playing for Den Haag in the Dutch league? Because Alan Pardew said it was a good idea, and he got fired after eight games.
1: Did you see why, why it came up as well, though, was that there was some controversy around potentially he was still requesting his um, saving them from relegation bonus, even though he'd only won one game in eight and they'd been awful and were looking like they're going to get relegated. And so yeah. I think that was why it was... He was going to get a hundred grand relegation bonus. He, he yeah. denied it. Yeah. He definitely manager.
0: Um, um. Any more side stories before we go on to I, Yeah, end I end? do. I've got one more. Have
2: you one. seen that UEFA have made proposals for the new structure of the Champions League and Europa League and qualification? Have you read through this stuff? No. Oh, so I was trying to digest it all today. So, so without going over, I don't want to just. I'm not just going to read because you know when UEFA release new legislation, oh, it's pretty dry.
0: Gosh.
2: Yeah. So I just want to kind of um, give you a quick summary before this stuff goes goes public. So it was um, it's been proposed to the football associations in in Europe. Essentially, what they're proposing is that instead of having qualifying places in each league. To qualify for the Champions League takes an aggregate performance of the last four years. Okay. So you get, you get a score for your last four years' worth of performance. Plus, you get qualification if you are a semi-finalist of the Europa League. You get qualification if you win the Europa League. Or you get qualification if you win the Europa League 2, whatever it's called. You know, a new, new one. Tier that you get qualification for the Champions League. Now, the reason why and I, I think there's a there's a quote in here which sounds shit out like a sore thumb because obviously the 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 connotation to that is those clubs who are pushing for the top four for their one year to try and revolutionize their their won't get a chance because unless you qualify for three out of
1: four years yeah it, it sounds getting... to me like the established elite just trying to bend the rules to keep it that way so that they're always the established elite it's gross Tell them to fuck well, off.
2: Here's a a quote for you, Rog, which which is in the proposal document. You ready? The aim of this proposal is to drive increased revenue opportunities, protect elite European club revenue streams, and meet the demands of a growing international audience. However, it would result in additional matches for the English clubs, eight additional matches and it would all in a whole already congested schedule. So so, sorry, who's proposing this
1: as well? Who is this? UEFA, UEFA. UEFA. It's so Um, gross. And there's so much wrong with UEFA putting something like that forward.
2: Absolutely right. So essentially what they've done is they put together a plan that would maintain the status quo in European elite football to maintain international television revenues from the Champions League. That's, that's their motivation. Uh, what it would do is it would absolutely ruin opportunities like Leicester when they qualified for the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. Things that we think are beautiful in football, it would take away for the sake of revenue. So this has been proposed to all of the football associations. So please watch this space. They don't envisage it coming in until 2024. So they could take the years 2020 to 2024 as the initial qualifying period
0: yeah okay well that sounds gross but uh, I would be concerned if I was a club like
2: um, Manchester United or Arsenal or Chelsea yeah. you know Chelsea have only two out of the last four years qualified in the top four Man United one out of the last four years um, Arsenal one in the last four even Liverpool only three out of the last four you know you, this is this is should be a concern for
0: everyone well that was a good update but a shit update Jeff thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah so I was,
1: breaking um, news End game Great time. news,
2: you wait for a corrupt cunt. I bet they're
0: billionaires. <laughs> Big news. So last week, Rog won uh, in the Arsenal v. Aston well, Villa can we game. just Can
1: we just clarify that? I don't think we can say I won. I think we can just say I didn't lose.
0: Yes. <laughs> it <laughs> was so bad. He won with only naming Chesney. Uh, all <laughs> 22 <laughs> people that played in that game, you named one. Um, Phil on Facebook did say that for the Villa team he's a Villa fan only managed to get three so the Villa team was
1: hard black hole that
0: year Um, but so Rog that puts you on 11 points I'm on 8 Jeff's
1: on 7 Rog what's this week's game? Um, well I thought first I've got a I was tossing up between two games uh, Mm. and then during the um, pod I've, I've found another one Oh. Um it's not so a premier league game but it is in England. to our Jeff and I's insightful Oh, I was. I was multitasking. Uh, <laughs> I've got my um special headphones on. Um but I've got a question so you go first which is, re- relates to my game that I was thinking about. So I've been disappearing down a few wormholes um, okay. Rabbit holes, wormholes. Lately with football as you do when there's no real football, you go to the past. Uh, and I realised how much I love Fat Ronaldo. Um, and yep. I was, I just, I just stumbled across some article and then I started watching Fat Ronaldo highlights. Where um, is this going, Rog? What are you doing? Well, so I was going to have a question <laughs> about uh, the 2002 World Cup. It's not going to be that game. But to go first, um, can you name the a Brazilian player who played in three World Cup finals in a row. And he's the only player to have ever played in three World Cup finals in a row.
0: So, 94-98-2002.
1: yeah You are correct, John. So, you can go first. Cafu. Aww. Now, we are going back to 2014-15 Premier League season.
0: Sounds like a black hole, Rog. feel like you've sent us down a black hole. What year did we, Leicester
1: win? 16, 17? We are going to the FA Cup. Oh, We're going to the FA Cup quarterfinals. Manchester United versus Arsenal. So this is a Louis van Gaal vintage Arsenal. Uh, sorry, Man United. <laughs>
0: And uh, Arsene
1: Wenger, obviously, at Arsenal. Late Arsene Wenger, Arsenal. Hey.
0: John. Oh, I go first, don't I? hmm Wayne Rooney.
1: Wayne Rooney, correct. Do you want the score to the game or anything? Would that help? Yeah, yeah. Help the score you remember? Might be helpful. Uh, so, Man United won, Arsenal two.
0: Ooh, shit game. That's why I can't remember it.
1: Arsenal into the semi finals. Rooney scored, by the way, John. It was a pretty spectacular goal. David De Gea. Ooh. David De Gea. David De Gea is correct, Jeff. <laughs> John
0: um one matter
1: John oh what when matter did not play in He's this game he was an unused substitute oh.
0: <clears throat> Jeff,
1: we've got five. Right. Marijuana Fellaini started. No! <laughs> Come on! Uh, John! Oh, uh, I think you would have, you'll I've get run. most of these. Uh, I have, I
0: had Di Maria. Falcao, Flash. my next two, John? Young, Valencia, Wilshire,
1: Walcott. Uh Falco was also an unused substitute, but those others played. So De Gea in goal, Valencia, uh Marcus Rojo, mm. uh, Chris Smalling, Luke Shaw, Herrera, Daly Blind, Ashley Young, Fellaini, Di Maria and Rooney for United, Carrick uh phil jones rubber face um and hannah's eye off the bench for arsenal chesney in goal bellerine Murtasaka, kajalny monreal carzola coquelin coquelin uh the ox ozil sanchez and welbeck welbeck scored the winner i think in this oh. wow um but yeah i thought of it because uh There's rumours, I've been, you know, saw the random transfer rumours that probably aren't going to happen, Uh, but Pogba about going to PSG and Di Maria coming back the other way. Um, I saw that. And him obviously having an absolutely terrible time when he was at United, and I was thinking that was a bit bizarre. And in this game, he got sent off for United for um, uh, like pushing the referee over or he pulled his shirt or something <laughs> so it was kind of the lowest point of Dean Marie's, um yeah he's never coming back Man to Man United.
0: United he couldn't think about no, anything I think was it's coming back to Manchester I think he would pay 150 grand a week to never go near Manchester <laughs> yeah,
2: Never come yeah, back. He, he hated it didn't he hated the weather hated the food like, yeah, yeah. Came was,
0: out and
1: his real family, family house
0: hated Van Um yeah his family house got broken into when his wife and kids were at home and he wasn't at home and that just shook his whole family up so they were just like
1: get the hell out of here yeah, fair enough. Do you know, a Daily bit, Daily Blind, really crap. Dad was yeah. a great footballer. He's not very good. We saw his... Your dad's a good
2: doctor, but you're not a very good
1: doctor. True. <laughs> um, we saw his peak moment probably ever in football, John, in real life.
0: Oh, the uh, 2014 World Cup when he passed the Van Persie. 2014
1: World Cup, yeah.
0: And Van Persie made it look good. It wasn't down to David Blinn. David Blinn just hoofed it forward. And then Van Persie did the most amazing... Oh, you could say, look worker. at
1: the look at the vision and the quality <laughs> on the long diagonal. Nah, lucky. <laughs> uh, Jeff, that was a good win. Yes. That makes it, uh, Rog11,
0: me and Jeff, drawing on eight points each. Um, does anyone have anything before we go?
2: No, it would be great if all of these... Um, Social sanctions were fucked off, and we could actually sit in
1: a room. Yes. Do you know what? Hopefully, I am I am weeks. hopeful that next week might be our last. I don't. I don't want to get too excited, but it could be that next week is our last virtual. Uh, I'm hoping so too,
0: and then uh, we will be in the shed, and we won't have to record on Zoom, which would be nice.
1: But, um, Jeff, can you still do like use a microphone that has similar effects to when you're on Zoom with your crap internet?
2: <laughs> yeah, so what I'm planning on doing is I'm gonna sit in the bathroom and you guys can sit in this room with a fish tank on shout, your head. Shout through the wall.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or sit in the car with the engine on. Brilliant. Well, everyone looks forward to that. Um thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week, probably virtually, but maybe the week after in person. Um, don't forget if you want to get in contact ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about our Premier League team reviews Um, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com thanks for listening everyone see ya see ya
1: see ya